Hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of The Hope Machine. I'm Victoria Reid from ASME UK and the British Lung Foundation. Once again, we're shining a light on some of the incredible research that's giving real hope to people with lung conditions across the UK. The two researchers we'll be hearing from are studying asthma, a condition that around 5.4 million people in the UK are currently receiving treatment for. This episode is a bit of an asthma special. We're going to be talking to two brilliant researchers today. First up is Dr. Farooq Ramadani, who is looking into switching off the antibodies that cause allergic asthma. I really hope you enjoy today's episode. Please remember, we are a charity, so we're only able to support this kind of research thanks to people like you. If you would like to donate, there's more information in the description of this episode, or you can go to asthma.org.uk forward slash hope machine to support our work. And without further ado, I'm going to hand over to Ian Gerald from Asthma UK and the British Lung Foundation, who's with our first researcher. Hi Farouk, thank you very much for joining us today to talk about your research. Um, Before we do that, I just wanted to ask a few questions so that we can get to know you a little bit better. What would you have been if you hadn't been involved in medicine and research? As a kid, I suppose growing up, I really enjoyed football. So I might have (laughs) been a professional footballer. Tell us something that you're either really good at or something you're really bad at. I'm bad at losing, especially in football. (laughs) (laughs) Saying that, I've been an Arsenal supporter for a few years, so that has become quite painful, especially since they've been losing quite a lot recently. What's your favourite place in the world? I have quite a few, actually. I I, I enjoy hiking. Uh, I enjoy high altitudes. love hiking in the Yas, Andes. And uh, I'm originally also from Kosovo, uh, and we have beautiful mountains there. So I do love to spend quite a bit of time in the mountains. Um, you know, the air is fresh, the scenery is beautiful. Mountains are my, my kind of place, I suppose. Well, thanks. That was really, you know, great to get to know you a little bit better. Um, and now we're going to move on and hear about the research that Asthma UK and the British Lung Foundation are supporting. Most people with asthma also have allergies. Can you tell us a bit about how allergic reactions work, why they can be so problematic for people and and particularly how they relate to asthma? Allergic reactions happen when an antibody called IgE reacts to uh, normally a harmless substance such as pollen or dust mite, resulting in, uh, in an inflammatory response. That trigger basically, you know, the Ig binding to, to uh, this harmless substances results in inflammatory responses that sort of uh, affect the airways of people with asthma. What, what kind of problems does that cause in the lungs when there's a big inflammatory response? Like how does that affect the person's lungs? It is absolutely true. It's a, an immune cascade so that reads, leads to uh, inflammation and constriction of the uh, airways that makes it very difficult for a person to breathe, basically. So your study that ASM UK and the British Lung Foundation are supporting is looking at a particular antibody that's produced by the immune system, these Ig molecules, and a particular type of antibody, which you think could be the key to this process. Can you tell us a bit more about what your research is focusing on? The research basically is focusing on understanding the generation 
and survival of this IgE-producing cells. Some of these IgE-producing cells can live for decades in, in places such as bone marrow, being able to sort of not only stop the generation of these cells, but also disrupt their survival in, in those compartments that allow them to live for, for decades uh, is quite important in terms of switching off the IgE production. If we can find a way of switching that IgE release off or, or having those molecules or those antibodies never generated in the first place, this could perhaps be a way of preventing or stopping or slowing down the progression of asthma, would you say? Absolutely. Currently, the only sort of therapy available to, to those people with severe asthma, omelizumab, uh, which uh, is uh, given to, to patients quite regularly, you know, uh, and it's quite expensive, it has shown that, you know, targeting IgE is a successful way of using and managing, should I say, the asthma symptoms. Are you looking at a, a different approach for getting rid of those antibodies? Yes, basically, there are been quite a few antibodies targeting IgE. You have amelizumab. Later on, there were a few sort of uh, antibodies that were in clinical trials, such as legalizumab. Indirectly, uh, Regeneron, a company uh, that had sort of developed topilumab, uh, also reduces the generation of IgE, but is never able to fully uh, remove um, IgE from circulation. So even after... 16 weeks of treatment, you have 40, 50% of IgE in the system, suggesting that there is a, a source of IgE that sort of might be long-lived. The interest in this enzyme is that it plays a role in the generation of IgE, but also we think if it can also disrupt their survival and their sort of compartments in the bone marrow or even the lungs and spleen. By targeting this enzyme, we're hoping to switch off its production, but also interfering with their long-term survival. So in essence, what do you think that this research could ultimately mean for people with asthma? Will it mean fewer people developing asthma potentially, or is it more about coming up with better ways to, to treat asthma in people who already have it? Treatment is obviously it's finding a new class of therapies to treat people with asthma, specifically those with severe asthma. What's interesting is that these drugs can not only interfere with IgE production, but they also interfere with the effector functions of IgE. What that means is that, you know, the release of histamine and other pro-inflammatory sort of mediators of IgE response can also be sort of inhibited or prevented by, by this drug. So targeting this protein, we're looking at the sort of global picture. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like it could be a really you know, useful thing to help people who have asthma to, you know, deal with their condition more effectively. Majority of people with asthma are allergic uh, to normally a harmless uh, substance such as pollen or dust mite. And these allergic reactions are uh, triggered when a type of antibody called IgE uh, reacts to the substances. Current treatments for asthma primarily target the inflammatory processes later on in their uh, production and do not work for everyone. Although current therapies can neutralize the secreted IgE, 
its effectiveness as an asthma treatment is limited because uh, there are IgE uh, secreting cells that counteract the effect of, of these treatments by continuing to secrete IgE. Therefore, my past research and the current research aims to find an effective therapy that acts at the source of IgE and targets the start of IgE production, which could have an enormous impact on, on those living with asthma. Big thanks to Ian and, of course, Farouk, who's doing such impressive work. If you're enjoying the show today, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss future episodes. If you fancy seeing our researchers on the big screen, this interview is also available on YouTube and you can simply click the link in our description to see it. Next up is Professor Claire Murray, who's on a mission to make it easier to spot whether children have asthma or a wheeze that they might ultimately grow out of. Hi, Claire. Thanks very much for joining us today to speak about your research. Before we do that, I had a few icebreaker questions I wanted to ask so we can get to know you a bit better. What do you think you would have been if you hadn't been involved in medicine and research? If I really couldn't do this, what would I do? I think I'd like to have a florist shop and be a florist. And can you tell us something that you're really good at or something you're really bad at? Well, I'm not sure that I'm really, really good at anything, but something that I'm not bad at and I enjoy doing is baking and cooking. Yeah. Do you think you'd ever consider going on Bake Off? don't think I'm that competitive. Finally, um, can you tell us what is your favourite place in the world? Where is the place that I like to be a lot of the time is in my garden, pottering around in my garden. Okay, so let's talk about your area of research now. So it's quite common for young kids to be a bit wheezy and we know that not every wheezy child goes on to develop asthma and some will grow out of their symptoms, but we know it's kind of difficult to confirm a diagnosis of asthma in kids. Why is it so hard? Well, I guess you have to first of all think it's not that easy in adults either, to be perfectly honest. I mean, we don't have a single gold standard test for asthma. You know, there's not an easy sort of blood test you can do or even one particular lung function test, which absolutely nails the diagnosis. So I guess even in adults, it's not that straightforward and it's a bit contentious about how you make the diagnosis. And if you read the different guidelines that are out, sort of national guidelines and international guidelines there's some variety there and allows a little bit of flexibility even in making a diagnosis in adults for most of the most of the diagnostic tests particularly in adults are targeted at tests which involve you breathing in a certain way and for a lot of children they find that quite difficult to actually get the technique right so that you can be sure that the um, measurements that you're making are accurate and then be able to make a diagnosis from that. So mm -hmm. for a lot of young children, it, it's really tricky. You have to remember that asthma is a very variable disease. For most of the times that you see a child in outpatients or whatever, they can be perfectly well and perfectly healthy. So you do those lung function measurements, even if you get a good result, they can be normal on that day. But I think the hardest thing probably in children is actually the actual test itself. So the test itself is not easy for little children to do. Trying to explain how they do it is tricky. And also the things that we measure are often about 
how much air you can get out of your lungs in a in a short space of time the way we measure that test we want people to breathe sort of out for a long period of time but very forcefully for little children first of all getting them to understand that concept is really difficult but mm. also they empty their lungs really quickly because they've only got little lungs the tests that we have and the measurements that we make in adults don't always relate very well to little children so you can't really interpret those results either not only are the tests difficult but the interpretation of them of the results then becomes difficult we need to think about revolutionizing tests for children and thinking about new tests that we could actually develop or, or use to try and work out what they mean in, in terms of asthma and not asthma and see whether we can actually come out with better diagnostic standards and tests for, for little children. And at the moment, like, what do you think is kind of the youngest age in which we can make a, a good positive diagnosis of asthma? It depends on a number of things. So one, it depends on the child. Some children just don't get what you're trying to tell them. And it doesn't matter if they're three or they're 13. Some children just will not be able to do what you're asking them to do. If you've got somebody who's really good with children, really knows how to explain it to them in easy language, then you'll get more children being able to do it. If you've got somebody who's never really worked with children or just hasn't got a great way of explaining things to them then the chances of you getting a result are much lower and is it possible at the moment to kind of predict which kids might grow out of their wheeze and which kids will go on to develop you know fully blown asthma no I don't think we're any further forward than we were 10 or 20 years ago really generally speaking you know the more episodes a child has the more likely they are to continue. The older they get, still having those episodes of wheeze and things, the more likely they are to continue. They've got a family history of asthma or allergic disease, the more likely they are to continue. If they themselves have other, what we call atopic diseases, so like eczema and hay fever and food allergies and things, they're more likely to continue. And then sometimes it would seem that if you can measure certain things in their blood, so um, a particular cell called the eosinophil, if that's particularly high, that's a sort of marker that that might continue to be asthma as they get older. And if they have allergic tendencies that we can measure in their blood. But there's sort of things that we knew quite a long time ago, and yeah. we're not really getting any new markers and risk factors that are telling us these patients are definitely going to go on and have asthma. So it's a bit frustrating, I think, for, for parents of children who are wheezy, not knowing whether this is something which is just going to get fizzle out and go away or whether it's going to be something they're going to have to live with for the rest of their lives. Well, it's very clear that diagnosing asthma in any age group is very difficult and it's especially difficult in children. So I guess that means that sometimes we get the diagnosis wrong. So there'll be some kids who have asthma and haven't yet been diagnosed. And there'll be some kids who get diagnosed with asthma when they don't actually have it. Is that right? Yeah, that's true. I mean, a lot of little children, certainly children under the age of five, most of the time their diagnosis will purely be based on the symptoms they have. So somebody will sit down and take a what we call a history, so a, a, a story from their parents about what's been happening to them and, and when they've had those symptoms, what have been the triggers and the like. And depending on how severe they are and how much problem they've been, then somebody might say, OK, well, let's try some asthma treatment and see what happens. 
And so they end up on some treatment. And for some of those children, they end up on that treatment for a long, long time without anyone really reviewing the situation and saying, well, yes, I do think you've got asthma or I don't think you've got asthma. Often it depends a little bit how pushy the parents are as to how much attention gets placed mm. on these sorts of symptoms for the children. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about, you know, symptoms that could last, the, you know, years and years, if not a lifetime. So it's, it is hugely important that we, we can improve this situation, which is where I think your study comes in. Um, so your work, which ASM UK and the British Lung Foundation are supporting, is looking at this possibility of using a new kind of device to make this whole process easier for kids and, and give us better, more accurate results. Can you tell us a bit about how, how it works and what your study's trying to look at? We've got a number of different tests within our study, actually, but um, some of them are sort of more prominent than the others, if you like. But they're all looking at tests which really just can collect data when a child is breathing normally. So mm. we're not asking them to do these fancy, um, you know, breathing techniques that we know they struggle with. We're looking at a number of different factors relating to their breathing. But one in particular is looking at the breath that children breathe out. So we're collecting just the breath that they breathe out. And within that breath, the mach little machine can detect biological markers, if you like, within the breath, some chemicals within the breath. So this particular machine is called the Inflamacheck, and they've done some work on it in adults, comparing adults with asthma and adults without asthma, and have shown some differences. But nobody's used it as a sort of diagnostic tool, um, and nobody's used it in children. We're looking at another number of other, if you like, easy tests. <laughs> another test is a little test called the Ventica where we actually do some measurements of the child's breathing overnight. The, the early studies using this little machine have been able to show that babies and, and toddlers who've been wheezy have different variability in their breathing overnight than children who are healthy children. And if you give um, asthma treatment to those children that are wheezy we're, and repeat those measures, we're able to see that those measures go back to the normal range. With those tests, we're doing the standard tests that I've already talked about and said are really hard. We're hoping to get some measurements of the more standard measurements that people use so that we've got some comparison with these more novel tests. So I'm a parent of a three-year-old and a six-year-old, and I know how hard it is just to get them to put their shoes on, let alone do a complicated and difficult breathing test. So the idea of kids just having to breathe in and out normally, and that could help you know, make a diagnosis sounds sound like a really positive step forward for diagnosing asthma. Um, how long do you think it might be before one of or some of these new tests might become used in clinical practice? We're hoping to recruit our children for this study over the next couple of years. And I'm hoping that at least one of these tests will prove to be, you know, really helpful. So maybe if we're lucky, five years. Considering where we're at now, that sounds like it would be fantastic. But as you say, there's a lot of water to get through, so to speak. There are a lot of bridges to cross between now and then. But, you know, I wish you every success with the study. It sounds like it could really be a game changer in diagnosing asthma in kids. We're just going to finish now with a bit of a fun challenge. I hope it's fun. The question is, can you explain your research in 60 seconds or less? 
so simply that a child of nine could understand it. So asthma is really one of the most common diseases that little children can have. But we don't have a good way of telling whether somebody really has asthma or doesn't have asthma. We don't have a good test for that. So we're trying to develop some new tests that are really easy and simple for little children to do. Hopefully by doing that, we can make sure that young children get treated better for their asthma sooner and that children who don't have asthma find out what they've really got and be treated properly. Really looking forward to yeah, seeing what happens and how it all turns out. So yeah, thanks again. Thank you to Ian and Claire. Very exciting work, which offers real hope for better asthma diagnoses among children. And thank you so much for listening. That's it for today's Hope Machine. If you'd like to support more amazing research projects like the ones you've heard about today, please do consider making a donation. There's more information in the description of this episode, or you can go to asthma.org.uk forward slash hope machine. And of course, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye.